Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our 10 o'clock service. Um, it's good to see that you got the clocks right. <laughs> and James, welcome back to Christchurch. It's incredible to see you here. Should we give him a, a, a clap, an encouraging clap? And Lord, we pray that James's health will continue to improve and for him and Sue, that they'll be able to recover um, from James's um, episode and that complete health will be there for both of them. Amen. Amen. Peter's got some not- a notice. It's more an announcement, really. Um, so, uh, yeah, important news to share with you, which I have shared at nine o'clock. Uh, as you may know, the PCC have been uh, discerning and praying over the last few months about the way forward for children's and families ministry here at Christchurch. God is good, and I believe he has heard our prayers. Uh, over recent weeks, I've been in discussion with Emma Griffiths, give them a wave, Emma, about the possibility of her doing some work for Christchurch in this area of ministry. Uh, Recently, a small group representing PCC interviewed Emma to be appointed to a new role we have called School Ministry Worker. Uh, As I did at nine, I'm going to blow your trumpet now, Emma, for you. Uh, Emma interviewed interviewed very well, and those who interviewed her, uh, which was myself, James and Ursha, are all very confident that she is very well suited to the role. Emma has been part of this church for the last couple of years, has a huge amount of experience working in schools as a teacher, primary schools particularly, some of which has been at a leadership level. Emma has a real heart to share Jesus with children and she has a deep love for the Basin Hill community and she brings many gifts and skills that are very well suited to this role. The role of school ministry worker is a very part-time role and for this reason it is deliberately and overtly based at Oak Meadow Primary School and I'm pleased to say the school are very open and welcoming us as a church building Christian community there. Emma's role will be to lead on this, but also to build teams as the work gets underway. Please note, it is a very different role to the one Jeanette was involved with. Emma will be a school ministry worker, not a children and families missioner. Emma's focus will be on building Christian community in the school. Although, yes, of course, there will be many crossovers with church-based children's activities and outreach. The vision for this role is to build relationships between home, school and church so that children can encounter Jesus for themselves and grow in faith and discipleship. As I mentioned above, I firmly believe God in his goodness has provided Emma at this juncture, and for this we give him praise. Now what I'd like us to do is to pray for Emma. Um, we, didn't, um, we didn't manage to gather around her at the nine o'clock, so I think it'd be lovely, Emma, if you could come up, and a few of us, if you'd like to come up, be brave, please. And, uh, and, and pray God's blessing for Emma as she gets underway in this new role for her and a new role for us as church too. So please do come on up and uh, we'll gather around you, Emma, and pray God's blessing on you.
Father, I want to thank you for the relationship we have with Oak Meadow School. Thank you, Father, that we have had the freedom of going in and talking about Jesus over many, many years. And we pray that that would continue. And we pray now for Emma, that you would inspire her, that you would fill her with an overwhelming sense of love and passion for the children and the staff. And we pray, Lord, that we would see a great harvest, not necessarily in the church, but when we get to heaven, that we would find children that have heard the gospel because of Emma going into Oak Meadow School and that they are in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father, that Emma is willing to be the bridge between church and Oak Meadow School. And Father, we ask for us as a congregation that we will be faithful in bringing Emma and the school before you in order that the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in Baston Hill once again. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you again for your faithfulness to Christ Church. We thank you for your provision of Emma. Father, we thank you for the many gifts and skills that she has. We pray, Heavenly Father, that she will demonstrate all those gifts to these young children. Father, there are probably many, many of us here in the church who have come through what was called Sunday school ourselves and have really known you in our young lives. And so we pray that for Emma, that she will speak into the hearts of many children at Oak Meadow School. And Father, that you will give her your inspiration by the power of your Holy Spirit and that you will inspire her in all that she says and that she does in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Father, we thank you for Emma. Um, we thank you that you have brought her um, to this church. And we thank you for the many gifts that you've given her. Well, we thank you for her sense of fun. We thank you for her warmth. We thank you for the easy way that she's able to relate to, to people, whether they be children or adults. And Lord, I thank you that you are speaking to Emma, that when she, she does stuff, she is aware of your presence. She's aware of your voice. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to speak to her. I pray that you will bless her. And I pray that you will strengthen and encourage her in every way. I thank you for Phil and for Caden as well. And I pray your blessing on them as a family and for um, Emma's daughters as well. Lord, be with them all, I pray. Bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Lord, we, in your name, we commission Emma to, to be the school ministry worker for Christ Church. Thank you for bringing Emma and Phil and Caden amongst us. Thank you that you fill us with gifts to serve you. And, Lord, we ask that you would keep on filling Emma each and every day with the gifts that she needs to share you with the children and the staff at that school and the wider community. And so we thank you for We pray your blessing uh, and your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and bless her with your presence, we pray, as she shares you. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Thank you very much, everyone. Don't go away, Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl has a notice now. Well, two notices. <laughs> Good morning. Um, yes, two notices. One is, as you're probably aware, the memorial service is taking place this afternoon at four o'clock. But we would appreciate some help um, setting up tables after this service ready for um, the memorial service later on. So if you're feeling strong today, please um, stay back after the service just to help us to set up a few tables. And also feel free to come to the service and just um, um, you know experience the service. So it, it would be lovely to see you there as well. Also, this is sort of on behalf of Eleanor, the big um, quiz night on Thursday the 16th of November 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. in the hall. Um, it's for tier fund, a pound, um, we pay a pound admission for, for, that goes to tier fund. Um, there'll be crisps and drinks provided and lots of fun. So please come along in, in, uh, just to enjoy ourselves. Uh, once again, getting to know each other a little bit more and um, it should be a nice evening. Thank you, Cheryl. A word of warning, these quiz nights are very competitive. <laughs> you see people in another light. <laughs> but do come, they're great fun, as Cheryl said. So let's pray together as we open our, our formal part of the service. We are gathered in this place to worship him. We are gathered together in this place to worship you, our Lord. May your peace and your presence be with us as we join as a community in worshipping, in learning, in experiencing you, Lord, this morning. Amen. Contrary to what you might expect, we're not going to sing the song that I mentioned in the prayer. We're going to sing 10,000 reading uh, Reasons, so John... Please lead us. <laughs> Would you like to stand if you're able?
John. Please be seated and we'll move into a time of prayer. I can't remember whether we've done the hand prayer before at Christchurch, but everybody here's got a hand, haven't they? <laughs> and we're going to use the fingers of our hand to think about the topics to pray for. I will introduce them and then we'll have a time of silence where you can add your own prayers. 
If you want to speak them out loud, speak a word or a phrase or a short prayer, then do. We're not going to run around with the microphone, so please speak out loudly if you would like to pray. So firstly, our thumbs. You might like to be uh, physical in this prayer time and actually have your hand here so you can see it. So firstly, our thumbs. This is the digit that's nearest to us when we hold our hands this way around. Thumbs up. Let's thank God for something in our lives, be it family, pets, children, jobs, health, recovery. So, Father, I want to thank you for my family and for my church. Lord, bless them, each and every one. And then our pointing finger. Pointing often means we're demeaning another. Not always, but sometimes. So let's say sorry for those times that we've hurt others. Pointed a finger when maybe we shouldn't. And so, Lord, yes, I'm aware that when I point a finger at something or someone, there are three fingers pointing back at me. And so, Lord, I ask your forgiveness. And I ask your blessing on whoever it is that I've pointed a finger at in anger or haste or judgment. Amen. And then we have our middle finger, usually our longest finger, our strongest finger. It reminds us that God helps us. So let's pray for God's help in our lives. So Lord, I ask you for your help in my day-to-day life in fitting all the things in that I need to do and for knowing when to say no and when to say yes. And then we have our relationship finger. Often the finger we wear a wedding ring on or a friendship ring. So let's give thanks for the people who we love and who love us. And so Lord, yes, I give you thanks for those people in my life who I have relationship with, who build me up, who show me your grace.
And then finally, our little finger. Maybe the weakest and certainly the shortest of our fingers. Let's pray for the weak and the poor and the bereft. And Lord, this morning I want to pray particularly for the inhabitants of Gaza and for Israel and Palestine and for that whole situation there where weak and poor are suffering. And Lord, may your mighty hand move through that land of the Middle East and bring people to a saving knowledge of you. So John's going to lead us in a, in a song now, and um, the suggestion was, Emma, that you might uh, like to lead the children with some flags in this one, but feel free either way. <laughs> he is the Lord, and he reigns on high. And that's exactly what he does for all those prayers we've just prayed. Thank you, John. Shall we stand?
you, John. Some wonderful flag waving at the back. We'll have to get them to come to the front next time, won't we? Thank you. Thank you, everyone. So uh, please be seated because Stuart is going to bring us our reading. Thank you, Stuart. And then Debbie will come and bring us God's word. Good morning, everyone. Today's reading is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. And it's on page 78 of the Church Bibles. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Debbie. Let's pray for Debbie as she comes up. So, Father, we pray for Debbie as she brings us the words that she's prepared. Lord, she sought your heart for us. And we ask that those words would speak to our hearts. Bless her, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Ursula. I've realised I was singing those songs very enthusiastically, so I hope now my, uh, my voice holds up, but I have got my uh, water with me. <coughs> so, good morning, everyone. Um, good morning, Paul. So, today we have reached commandment number four, which is the seventh of the Just Ten series. Um, because we're looking at them in reverse order, it is a little confusing, but what it does mean is that we are ending the series focusing on our relationship with God, which is the foundation of it all. And we've been on quite a journey over these past weeks, haven't we? We've addressed issues such as deceit, envy, adultery, anger, and last week, how to honour our parents. If you think about it, we've been on a tour of the issues that get to the very heart of the things that we as human beings struggle with and can damage our relationships with each other and even more importantly, with our God. And I don't know about you, but if, at times I've found it quite challenging and painful to grapple with this stuff. But I have also been aware of God's amazing, compelling and life-giving love for us. These commandments are not there to condemn or to accuse. They're not God's stick to beat us with or for us to beat ourselves with. No, God gave them because just like his people all those thousands of years ago, when the Ten Commandments were given, he loves us 
and he wants the absolute best for us. So like so much in God's topsy-turvy kingdom, the commandments were not given to constrain us, but to set us free. And that is absolutely true of the commandment we're looking at together today. This fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, or as J. John puts it in modern speak, how to prevent burnout. And as I've looked into this commandment more deeply, I'm absolutely convinced that this commandment is one that is as relevant and as needed in our world today as it ever has been. Perhaps you could argue even more so. It gets right to the heart of what so many of us are struggling with. Burnout is rife in our society. I think you would agree. You could argue that we work and play harder than ever, and life is just so fast-paced. So the problem is clear, and yet as Christians, I think we can sometimes look at this commandment as an unrealistic, non-essential ideal that just isn't compatible with the way life operates today. You see, it just doesn't seem to carry the same weight as do not murder or do not commit adultery, does it? And so maybe we think that we can opt in and out of it, depending on how demanding our work life is or whether there are a pile of domestic or life admin jobs that we need to attend to. But as J. John says in his talk on this commandment, partial faithfulness just like partial faithfulness to our marriage partner, is not actually faithfulness at all. This commandment to work for six days and have Sabbath rest on the seventh essentially deals with the issue of how we use our time. Albert Einstein remarked, time is relative. There seems to be a lot less of it around than there used to be. Now, Einstein died back in 1955, before the digital age, the age of the internet, the laptop, and the smartphone. So how much more does it feel like that to us now? How often do we hear ourselves or others say, I'm so busy, time flies, it's been all go this week, there just aren't enough hours in the day, where does the time go, etc, etc. So much of what we say to each other in our daily lives revolves around time and seemingly not having enough of it. Technology has achieved wonders, yet no one has been able to multiply time. Millions is spent on inventing beauty products that are designed to delay the ageing process. I might be starting on those now, it's probably too late, but you know, um, that's term 50. So many more people have gym membership than will ever remotely consider entering a church. Medical science means that people are living longer and healthier lives, but with regard to time, the very best that technology has achieved is to measure its passing more accurately. Time belongs to God alone, and it is unalterable. 
Whatever we do with it, it slips away from us. And because time is so fundamental and so unchangeable, it is the most precious commodity we have. How we spend it matters. And it has an immeasurable impact on our physical, emotional, psychological and spiritual health. This commandment deals with how we use the precious time that God has given us. So it's vital that we grapple with it, and grapple with it we will. Now this commandment, as you can see if you have it open before you, in Exodus chapter 20, is the longest one of them all. Let's read it again together now, as I want us to get into the commandment itself and to notice three things about it. So let's read it again. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, what do we notice? Well, first off, God is clearly wanting us to know, right from the beginning, that the list of those who are to keep the Sabbath is for everybody. Sabbath is for everyone. Absolutely no exceptions. It applies even to those who are visiting and even to animals. God is serious about this commandment, and so we need to take it seriously too. And by making it clear that it applies to everyone, it's almost like God can hear down the ages the list of reasons we might come up with for not keeping it. Secondly, do you notice that unlike the earlier commandments that give an instruction, here God gives a reason for giving it. This is crucial and the reason is linked with the way that God himself works. So since we are made in God's image and we are patterned after him, we need to listen very carefully to what God is saying here. In verse 11, we can see that God's command to keep the Sabbath day goes right back to the very beginning. It's foundational stuff. Right back in Genesis 2, just after the creation of the world, we read this. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So as J. John points out, as we see here, the principle of regular work followed by rest has the highest endorsement possible. It comes from the creator himself. God 
rested. Wow. The creation narrative is so familiar to most of us here, but let's just stay with that point for a moment. The omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, rested. Was he tired? I don't think so. He's the everlasting God who never slumbers or sleeps. So why did God rest? It was because our Father God chose to step back from his work and take time to delight and celebrate all that he had made. He delighted in us and he longs for us to delight too. Oh yes, but we're too busy. Rest doesn't fit our schedule, our stage of life, our circumstances, our family situation, even our personality. No, Almighty God rested and we are made in his image. Now I'm sure it hasn't escaped your attention that into this vast universe in which we live and breathe and have our being, God himself has imprinted an order and a rhythm that can be seen at every level. The cells in our body, the rotation of the earth, sun and moon, day and night, the tides of the sea, the seasons of the year, I could go on. There is order, there is rhythm, nothing is random. You see, God built rhythm into the fabric of his creation. And as we are part of his creation, the pinnacle of his creation, no less, this six to one rhythm we are commanded to keep is part of the very essence of our being. It is in our DNA. It is at the core of what it means to be human. And we ignore it at our peril. More on that later. Excuse me. Thirdly, do you also notice from this passage that God blesses the Sabbath day and makes it holy? To make something holy, as we know, is to set it apart. So this one day is set apart from the other six as a day of rest and of worship. But notice as well that God blesses the Sabbath. Why does God do that? Well, to help us answer that, let's look together at who God blesses. If we turn back in our Bibles to Genesis 1 and 2, we can see that God blesses three parts of his creation. He blesses living creatures, he blesses mankind, men, women and children, and interestingly, he blesses the Sabbath. Now, it's easy to understand why God blesses living things, but why does God very deliberately bless a day of the week? Well, as I have read up about this and looked into it, Biblical scholars, people who are much cleverer cleverer than me, tell me that God blesses things that are fruitful and bring forth life. So like human beings, the Sabbath day is fruitful and brings life. 
And I think we desperately crave the life that a day of rest and worship brings. So to recap, Sabbath is for everyone. The six-to-one rhythm of work and of rest, as demonstrated by God himself, is part of the creation order. It's in our DNA. It is a day that is holy and set apart, and it comes with a blessing, and it is life-giving. So let's look just very briefly at some of the history of the Sabbath. As we've seen already, the Sabbath, a 24-hour period set apart for worship and rest, has been God's gift and invitation to his people right from when he created them. In the Old Testament, and still in Judaism today, the Sabbath is Saturday. But after the resurrection of Jesus, Christians began to meet to worship on a Sunday, and that has continued right through to today. Although, of course, now with shops open all day and life continuing all around us as it does on every other day, keeping a Sabbath is perhaps harder than it ever has been. For some, it simply isn't possible to Sabbath on a Sunday, and I think this point needs making. There are people who have to put out fires, care for the sick, keep us safe on our streets, and even lead churches that meet on Sundays. But the invitation and the principle is still to take a day in the week for rest and for worship. And note that the worship element, which I would say includes anything that helps us to to connect with God and celebrate who he is, makes a Sabbath day different from simply having a day off. For Peter and I, Sundays are not all that restful, and so while we love worshipping with all of you on a Sunday, our Sabbath day is a Friday. The word Sabbath comes from the Jewish word Shabbat, and it means to rest or be done. We see God instructing his covenant people to observe the Sabbath right through the Old Testament. In the time of Moses, for example, God only provided manna, the supernatural food that God provided for his people in the desert, on six days of the week. And when some went out to try and gather it on the seventh day, what happened? They found nothing. Why? Because that day is a day for rest and for worship. Shabbat is central to the practice of Judaism to this day and involves eating together, celebrating and reciting the scriptures to remember who God is and all he has done. Not a bad way to spend a day. So lastly, let's look now at why keeping the Sabbath is so vital for us as Christians today and how we can practice it. American theologian Walter Brueggemann, who is considered to be one of the most influential Old Testament scholars of recent times, says this. People who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. In other words, keeping this commandment doesn't just change one day, it changes every day. Why? Because Sabbath brings forth gratitude, and it brings forth perspective. Dallas Willard, an American philosopher who is well known for his writings on spiritual transformation, says this, 
Busyness is the greatest enemy of spiritual life. Notice he doesn't say sin, as we might expect him to say. He says busyness. Why? Because he argues that relentless busyness, which has become a badge of honour in our postmodern Western culture, doesn't just affect our schedules, it penetrates our innermost beings. It damages our souls. John Mark Comer, a young American teacher and writer who has written the book some of you may have heard of, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and he teaches on the Sabbath and lives it out passionately, says this. When we don't take up God's loving invitation to have a day of worship and rest, we become emotionally and physically unhealthy. We are irritable, our minds can become sluggish, and our creativity dwindles, as does our, com as does our compassion. We feel tired and burnt out. Relationships suffer, our joy and our gratitude gets quashed, and we become empty, hollow and disconnected, not only from God, but even from ourselves. I wonder, does any of that resonate with you this morning? Well, there is good news contained in this commandment. We have the invitation to fight off the enemy of hurry and busyness and wake up to the God who has been with us all week long, but we've often perhaps been too busy to notice. Jesus says this, the thief comes to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. The world says delight can only come from sin, but God says delight comes from spending time with your creator, the one who knows you and loves you more than anyone, the lover of your soul, the one who, as the psalmist writes, created your innermost being. This, my friends, is Sabbath. So how do we honour the Sabbath day and keep it holy? Well, I think we have to be very intentional about this. It's not going to just happen when everything in our culture is pulling us in the exact opposite direction. And Sabbath will look different for each of us, but John Mark Comer suggests intentionally filtering what we do on the Sabbath through the lens of is this worship or is this rest? Is this worship or is this rest? If it isn't either, he says, if at all possible, don't do it. So may I humbly suggest that Sabbath looks something like this. It's about creating time when God has our attention when we spend time dwelling in his word, when we take a break from at least some of our daily tasks, our phone is switched off and our emails remain unopened. It's a day when there are no to-do lists, when we can read a book and watch a film without feeling guilty about it, a day when we can take a breath, take a walk, 
celebrate the beauty of creation, a day when we step back and look at our lives and give thanks for what God has done and is doing. A time to delight, a time to eat with family and friends and to celebrate, a time to walk hand in hand with our God and to hear his still small voice that often gets drowned out in the busyness and the noise of the oppressive paced world in which we live. A time to soak in the presence of the only one who truly satisfies our souls. Now, a Sabbath day may seem impossible to you right now, but even if we start small and just take an hour or two to even do a few of these things, I believe that God will bless it. God blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. When I heard John Mark Comer's teaching on Sabbath principles a few years ago, I really felt God speaking to me and I decided to take this commandment seriously. And I can honestly say that it's made a massive difference in my relationship with God and to my spiritual, emotional and physical well-being. I see it as an invitation and as a gift. I don't apply it rigidly or legalistically, but regularly taking a Sabbath and doing some of those things I have just mentioned. And for me, I have to say, switching my phone off is the most vital. It has revolutionised my walk with God. I don't exaggerate. On a Friday, I connect in a deeper way with my Creator. My gratitude is reignited. And I gain godly perspective and wisdom on those things I have been carrying and grappling with throughout the week. I really do find that God in his grace breathes life into my soul. I want to end with these words of scripture and then I think Ursula is going to lead us in some time to be quiet and to reflect. This is Matthew 11:28 to 30, and it's the message version, and it's Jesus' invitation to each one of us. So can I suggest that maybe you close your eyes as I read these words? Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. As Debbie said, following that word, the best thing seemed to be 
to actually experience God's rest and to spend some time enjoying and sitting intentionally in the presence of God. Um, so John is going to lead us in a minute in a, in a song, and I suggest you say, stay seated for this. Um, sit comfortably, make yourself comfortable. If during the period of silence that there's going to be um, distractions come into your mind, then don't try to ignore them. Just acknowledge them and then turn your attention back to God. The pattern of these next few minutes is going to be that John is going to lead us in a, in a well-known chorus, which you can either sing or just listen to. And then I'm going to repeat that verse that Debbie's just read to us. And then we'll move into a period of silence. After a few moments of silence, John will start playing another song. First without the words and then with some quiet singing. And again, join in or just sit quietly listening, whatever feels right to you. Resting in God is about relationship. It's about having a relationship with our loving Heavenly Father. Thank you, John.
Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and walk, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Lord, you have my 
Let's continue in company with God as we turn to prayer. And some words are going to appear on the screen. I will read the first section, and if you could join in the second. God of justice, keep us silent when the only words we have to utter are ones of judgment exclusion or prejudice. Teach us to face the wounds in our own hearts. And then together, God of justice, give us power of speech to resist injustice, oppression and hate, not only on our own behalf, but for others who are not heard. Make us peacemakers and restorers of the streets. God of power, keep us silent so that we may listen respectfully to another person's pain without trying to fade or fix it. For you are present within each one of us. God of power, give us courage to share our gifts of speech, to comfort, uphold and strengthen let us be a glimpse of your love to those in need. God of love, in the silence of our hearts, give us words of welcome, acceptance and renewal, so that when we speak, our words come from you. God of love, give us voices of praise to celebrate each other, and the glories of creation, believing that we all live within your blessing. And let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Um, I was going to ask the children to come up, but they're not all back yet. You are all back yet. <laughs> and I need to apologise to them because I forgot to pray for you as you left us. Um, as soon as I realised, I prayed quietly, but I didn't want to interrupt Debbie's sermon. Um, so do come up and tell us what you've been doing this morning. Hello. My first um, task is to try and learn to use technology. <laughs> um, hi, good morning, everyone. So we've been on our countdown of the Ten Commandments. We think we're at number four. Is that right? We looked. We matched. We did a matching game first, didn't we? Can you remember what we what we were thinking about today? Can you read it? Shall we read it together? You ready, guys? Rest. Rest. On the Sabbath. So we all talked about where we like to rest. Uh, would you like to tell us where you like to rest? Can I tell them what you said? Am I allowed? In, in the kitchen and eat cake. <laughs> that is my favourite. Watching TV. I think we all like that one. In my bedroom. In her bedroom, watching TV. Phil, how do you like to rest? Uh, going for a run. Go somewhere quiet away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I like to rest by crocheting. I don't have a very quiet mind, but we um, also had then a, a bag of objects and we sang a song so that we passed it around like past the parcel and then we pulled the things out and we talked about how was it on number five <gasps> we could um talk to god on our rest day uh we did put the headphones on but carlin came up with something really clever didn't you i thought i wear headphones because i like to listen to music really loudly and my family doesn't Harlan, how do you like, what did you think about when you put the headphones on? Makes you feel quiet. You like to be quiet. And there's quite a few people in here who like to be quiet, I know that. And what did you pick out of the bag, Felicity? Can you remember? A microphone. And what did you think about how could you talk to God through the microphone? Singing. I've got a lot of people in here who like singing. <laughs> Singing to God, you like that, don't you, Felicity? And what did you pick out of the bag, Alice? A walkie-talkie. A walkie-talkie, and we thought it could also be a phone, or what, what did you think it was for? Talking to God. She thought she could talk to God. Alice, would you mind me saying, Alice likes to talk to God in her head, quietly, and that's a really good thing. Uh, Phil, did you pick out anything from the bag? No. Uh, Phil and I actually pray out loud together. It's something I've never, ever done with any other adult in my life. And uh, we spend each evening, just before we go to sleep, uh, having an out, out loud prayer. It's, it's really grounding. <laughs> so we did all that, and then we made some mirrors. We listened to some music. We had a song on, uh, If I Were a Butterfly. 
and we were listening to that while we were crafting and we all made do you want to show them we made these and what are they quite well in them? No. No, we realise that we have lots of tricky troubles that we can't see quite well. We can't see how to solve them quite well. So we talked about all these things we could do to God and all the ways we can talk to God in our own way and how he is amazing at helping us solve some of those tricky troubles or celebrate. Felicity, what are you celebrating this week? You've been somewhere special, haven't you? Um, to... Kiln Park. She's been on holiday and she's celebrated. She's been thankful for that, so that was really lovely. What were you thankful for, Harlan? Going to Romania. And he's still thinking about it, Mummy. Still thinking about his lovely family time, family holiday. And what were you... This is going to make everyone laugh now, Alice. What are you thankful for? Finishing school. Not being at school this week. Often. I'm tra- that's tragic to me, I'm a teacher, but you know, I do understand. And, uh, we're, and then we thought, right, if we pray, this will make it, are you ready with the next one? Alice, do you want to hold it up for us? Uh, it'll make it just clear to us why God loves us, what he loves about us, and how he can help us. And prayer is so multifaceted, isn't it? But for, ch- for our children, that's a bit of their, their life that's really hard, you know? To know there's someone there for them. And that's what makes our ministry so important. Because there are a lot of children out there now who, don't, who feel very alone in this world and have a big gap in their heart. And these are our blessed children because they come to be with us and be with you guys and have your guidance. And, and also, they are the leaders of our future. I've got a few ideas for all these teenagers, how they can help us grow. So thank you so much, guys. Would you like to give them a round of applause, please? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everybody. I don't know how they managed to get all that in, do you? <laughs> well done. So let's stand together and sing our final song, Be Thou My Vision. Thank you, John and Claire. Oops, sorry, (laughs) wrong key.
pray for the offering. So Father, as we acknowledge your presence in our lives and our deep relationship that we have with you, we offer to you these gifts and all we have knowing that you first gave them to us. And so we thank you, Lord. Use us and them to build your kingdom. Amen. And to close our service, a blessing. Encircle us, Lord. Keep your comfort near us and discouragement far away. Keep peace within us and turmoil out. The Eternal Father, Son, and Holy Spirit shield us on every side. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve our Lord. Amen. In the name of Christ. Amen.